Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 30th. Respect excellence wherever you find it. True excellence is often the result of group endeavor, but it requires in every case the personal commitment of energy and awareness. Excellence, like everything else that is worthwhile, springs from within the self. Like many people, I've always had a drive to do things well. It's just been my nature. Part of it is if you have a a, a perceptive mind and you can see how something could be done better, There's it, it, it almost rises to the level of a moral obligation to continue to do it better. There just there becomes a certain enthusiasm in doing things well. Although Swami Kriyananda was fond of quoting his mother saying, um, if a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly, she said, meaning that you don't have to be excellent at everything in order to be able to enjoy it. When I was uh, living as a nun in the Ananda community in the in the 70s, um, I had this little trailer, and it was a, a pretty big step up into the trailer because it was the height of the wheels, and it was on a slant of a hill. So I made the decision that I needed to have a couple of steps. And much of the time, I, there was a, a man or a skilled carpenter somewhere that I could ask to help me, but for some reason I decided to build the steps myself. And I have had no experience with tools and no, no particular attunement with that sort of thing. But I just remember spending a wonderful Saturday building what was probably the worst constructed set of two steps that have ever been made. But this, I had this tremendous sense of satisfaction about it. And I thought of, of Swami's mother, you know. It was worth doing badly because of the pleasure of doing it myself. And it was also, it was my level of excellence because it wasn't excellent by any objective standard, but it was excellent because of the perseverance I showed and the determination to, 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 to have it, to make it happen um, just because it was needed and I was there and I could do it. So excellence also has to be understood, not just in, in objective terms, but excellence compared to myself. Now, I've always, again, had this idea that if you're going to do something, you should do it as well as you can, but it, it fought a little bit in my mind with the Vedantic idea that it's all a dream anyway, so what difference does it make? And a lot of people use these ideas that this world is just a dream and it's the infinite that really matters as a reason either not to be committed, not to participate, or not to give a damn about what they're doing. But that has never intuitively struck me as, as the right attitude. And I was extremely gratified when I was reading Swami Kriyananda's commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda, his mission in, in this incarnation as Yogananda was to teach from the Bhagavad Gita and to teach from the Bible and show the underlying unity. Self-realization is the unifying principle. And also to reinterpret the Bhagavad Gita really for modern times. So Swami Kriyananda um, helped Yogananda edit that book. 
He, he sat with Yogananda when he was dictating it. They sat side by side and went over the whole manuscript. And so Swami, Swami Kriyananda felt this uh, commission from his guru to write a commentary based on Yogananda's ideas, which he did. In the middle of it, Swami is talking about what, what are actually the three gunas, which is, again, much of the time in the course of these brief um, discourses, I reference things that are gigantic stories in themselves. The three gunas are a principle of Sanatana Dharma, which say that this world is a combination of energies. And even more importantly, we, I, as an individual, every individual, we're always balancing these three forces. And one force is what's called tamas, which is just this, this darkening force that wants to be low energy, wants to be uncommitted, wants to, to thinks that pleasure and ease is the best way to go. And that force is always there. It's trying to disintegrate things. It's not trying to make things beautiful and, and excellent. There's rajasic force in the middle, which is just energy, just moving around. It's not necessarily going positive. It's not going ne- negative, but it's just doing stuff. So it can be energy that's going tamasic or energy that's going to the higher level, which is called sattvic, which sattvic energy is, is beautiful, it's calm, it's God-reminding, it's powerful, it's creative, it's uplifting, and you can be rajasic toward, toward sattvic. You use your active energy to create sattvic realities. So in the course of that commentary, Swamiji is talking about the Vedantic idea, of course, this world is a dream, nothing we accomplish here ever really lasts. As soon as the incarnation is over, everything material, as far as we're concerned, simply dissolves, including our own body and the connection we have to everything that we accomplished. The only thing that goes with us is our state of consciousness. So then he starts talking about the gunas, about downward pulling energy, upward moving energy, restless energy, sort of who we are. And he points out the obvious, that the way we learn, because let me just add one more thing, the definition of a self-realized master and the, the Sanskrit phrase for it, is one who has transcended the gunas, who has separated himself completely from these oscillating forces of, of nature. And the way one does that is one gradually moves all one's energy up into the sattvic level, and then you can transcend it. There's no more downward pulling energy. The avatar, the, the self-realized master, has transcended them all. So for the average person, for us... When we, we learn to master the gunas because we are drawn to do things in this world. And every time we try to do things in this world, we find ourselves, those three energies are at play with us. Are we just being lazy and just trying to get away with it? Oh, that's good enough. Are we just running around in non-productive circles and putting out lots of energy but not having much to show for it? Or are we using our energy in a positive way to create something? Well, the word is excellent. And almost always, the lack of excellence is because tamasic energy has conquered us. And so what we're really doing in creating excellence is we're training ourselves to be excellent. We're training our ability to transcend the downward-pulling energy that is inherent in this universe. Just this morning... After I finished breakfast, I, was, I had breakfast with my housemate, as I often do. And we have a little breakfast nook. It's a very relaxing sort of time of the day. And, 
it was, you know, it was morning. And it was, it was sort of the morning, and there was this pleasant feeling in me that it was the end of the day. <laughs> and I could just relax now. When I was involved, when we were involved in a, a big project, we were traveling with Swamiji, and we were putting on, he was, he was a, a, one of the featured speakers at a big spiritual fair, and there was a group of us there, and we were manning the booth, and it was it was early to early morning to late at night for three or four days. It was very very high energy. Sleeping on the floor of the living room of a friend's house because we could never afford hotels, and so it was it was pretty stressed. And the second or third day, I said to my friend, one, uh, I said to my friend Anandi, "How are you feeling today?" And she said, "Well, I just finished my morning meditation, and I thought it was my evening meditation. And except for that, I'm doing really great." <laughs> so that's always sort of been a joke in our minds. I'm doing fine, except I finished meditating and I put my pajamas on, and then I realized it was 9 a.m., you know, not 9 p.m. So after breakfast this morning, I was sort of thinking about how easy it is, you know, I'll just go back upstairs and lie down on my bed with a novel, you know, that, that, that to keep that tamasic force at bay, to keep um, creating, putting out energy. Yes, I feel that I have a responsibility having the relationship I had with Swami Kriyananda, especially at my age, at this time in history when Swami is gone and, you know, many people who are coming to Ananda now will never know him personally. I have this responsibility as for those of you who are listening to these um, broadcasts, you can tell I'm always telling you about Swami Kriyananda because that's my job. That's my divine assignment. And sometimes I just rather not, <laughs> for no reason at all, except that Tamaguna is getting a hold of me. So the effort to be excellent is the perfection of our own consciousness. That's what I'm talking about. We, we are compelled by our karma. We are compelled by having taken a material body to commit ourselves and participate in this world and become very, very ambitious. And we have these desires. You know, we want to be a millionaire. We want to create a great movie. We want to write a book. We want to raise children. We want to plant a garden. We want to design a house. We want to, have, we want to live by the ocean. We want to move to Hawaii. I mean, make a long list of all these things that force us to act. That is actually, even if it's rajasic, rajasic energy is needed to pull us out of tamas, and then sattvic energy is needed to refine that rajasic energy. And all of that is the perfection of our consciousness. But we can't just do it abstractly. You know, we can't just sort of sit in a chair and just have it sort of work itself out. Now, there is a point of extremely advanced spirituality where you do just sit in a chair, except you're usually not in a chair. You're usually in a cave or a cloistered monastery where you really are done with outward action. That you, that, that you don't need the compelling force of outward necessity or outward desires to move you, that you can, you can literally just simply work it out within yourself. Swami also talks about that in the Bhagavad Gita. And when he was talking in the Bhagavad Gita about you know, this very high level of spiritual advancement, uh, and I, I said something to him about, this won't be applicable to many people. <laughs> and he said, true. He said, but those to whom it does apply will find it very helpful. And I mean, I've remembered that because there are those to whom it does apply. But if you're one of them, um, 
well, I should say you'll know it, but sometimes we long for that thinking it would be easier than the one we have to face. And see, this is the same, this is the same point of view. This is why we don't create excellence. But almost always, our unwillingness to put out sufficient energy to do it really just as well as we can. It doesn't have to be objectively excellent. I mean, those little stairs that I made were, were ludicrous. And when actual real carpenters looked at them, because I just made up solutions. You know, it's, this didn't quite work, and I just, like, a, what, they, what I subsequently learned, learned is called Martian solutions. I have done, uh, my hobby is to make costumes for the, or to, to organize the costumes for our school play every year. I had to kind of figure out what the right word for what I do is. My hobby is what I call it. It's hard for a yogi to have hobbies, and that is my hobby. It's good work. It's helpful to the school but I really do it because it's so much fun. So I, I actually dedicate like a full six weeks of my year, almost every year, to doing that. And when you're making costumes at all, especially when you're making costumes for kids, you can be quite inventive. And sometimes I'll just need something. I'll need a particular shape or a particular item or a particular look. And somebody put it to my mind and said, just go to the store as if you were a Martian so that you don't have a preconceived idea of what things are used for. So you just look at them to see if they will actually suit your purpose. Most famously, one of my fellow customers and friends at Ananda Village, a woman named Maghi, um, if you look closely at the, costumes that one, at the costume that one of the three wise men wears uh, on Christmas Eve, and you look at this in- extraordinarily interesting jeweled crown that he wears, you realize that it's actually... A jello mold, <laughs> and that, that might be from my era that people don't even know about. But it's it's a it's sort of like a cake pan, but a multi-tiered cake pan with a kind of interesting curved shape. You know, people used to make jello, and then you'd flip it out, and you'd have this little mountain of jello with little bits of pineapple floating in it. As a, a health food vegetarian, it's it's appalling for me even to think about it. But it's a 1950s sort of concept. Well, she saw one of those jello molds. And of course, usually it's looked from another angle, but my gosh, it was a gorgeous hat. So she put it on his head and covered it with jewels and painted it gold and put a big feather. And you have to look really close to realize it's a jello mold. <laughs> so, so I love just that idea of Martian solutions. Merely because it's unconventional doesn't mean that it can't be something else. It's just we're just not used to thinking of it like that. So th- what I was trying to say... That's, that's my creative determination, not to say, oh, it can't be done, I don't know how to do it, I don't have the right bracket, you know, it's too hard, all these things. No, I'll just use a little rajasic energy to bring it up. And that's, that's what it's about. And then at the end, you also have excellence in what you're doing. You know, I've, uh, I've wrote this book about my life with Swami Kriyananda. I'd like to hold it up because those of you who might be interested in him will enjoy it. It's called Light Bearer. It is, I, I call this, this is my life's work. Swami assigned that job to me when I was 24. I published the book when I was 72. So it tells you it was a long time coming. And I think it's pretty good because I couldn't stop working on it until I felt I'd done my best. If I could have made it better, I would still be working on it. I don't know whether it's really good or not. People have been very nice about saying that it is. But to tell you the honest truth, it doesn't matter. I did the best I could do. It was excellent. It was 
it was the most excellent work I could do. And then I'm at peace with God. That's what we're talking about here. It doesn't matter what the critics say. If we know in our own heart that there is more that we could have given to it and we just didn't out of fear or laziness, and I don't mean a, a false perfectionism. I mean a genuine divine understanding that this is me. This is what I have to offer. I can't begin to describe to you what peace that brings to your heart. And I highly recommend that following Swamiji's advice here. He says, Respect excellence wherever you find it. True excellence is often the result of group endeavor, but it requires in every case the personal commitment. Excellence, like everything else that is worthwhile, springs from within the self. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.